0: Well, I know how impressed you are with Lee and my acting skills, you know, pretty amazing. There's more of where those came from this summer. Well, welcome to the Crossing and happy Father's Day. Um, Would you do me a favor and help me welcome our Southeast campus, those who are watching online on our microsites, welcome. Glad you're part of the Crossing family and this ministry with us. Well, happy Father's Day again, dads. We are so honored to have you here. And my son gave me a Father's Day card of the top 10 things a dad would never say. The top 10 things a dad would never say. Number 10, why, yes, you can have more money. I've got an endless supply of it. (laughs) Top 10 things a dad would never say. There's no need to ask your mother. I'm allowing you to do anything you want. (laughs) Number eight, I admit it, we're lost. (laughs) Number seven, resting my eyes baloney, I was definitely sleeping. Number six, why should I try to fix this when we can pay a qualified professional? (laughs) A lot of you have been in that place. Number five, fight all you want. There's no way I'm turning this car around. Number four, kids today are keenly aware of how good they have it. Number three, I'm tired of changing channels. You take the remote. (laughs) Number two, you don't need a curfew. Stay out as late as you like. And the number one thing a dad will never say is when I was your age, everything was awesome. Well, dads, we are honored to have you here. So glad to have you. We love you. And we believe that God has specifically placed you in your family to lead your kids and to show them what a man of God is really looks like. Well, before we jump into the message, I want to talk to you about a conference that we are hosting in August. In August, we are hosting the Global Leadership Summit. This is the third year that The Crossing has hosted this. We are one of 400 sites across the country that will be having this simulcast. And the reason that we have it here is to make it accessible for you. Because no matter who you are, you are a leader. Because leadership is defined as influence. And we want to help you maximize your influence. And another reason why we hosted here is by hosting it here, we are able to get half price off of what we would get if we went to any other location. So you can find out more about that in the lobby, and you can go out there and talk to them about that. Well, today we start a brand new series called Running with the Giants. This is a series that we've been planning for over a year, and it's based off of a scripture in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, where it says this. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, now these are those heroes of the faith, these are the giants of the faith who have gone before us. So think of them as being in the stands, and they are cheering you on. They're cheering your faith race that you're running right now. Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race marked out for us that you are running a race right now, and you have a unique race that God has given you. So let's just imagine that these giants of the faith came out of the stands and they ran a lap with you. What would they say to you to help you run the race that God has for you? What would they say to you to help you learn from their life of what they've done before? Today we're going to look at a guy who waited a long time to be a dad. And once he was a dad, he made his own share of mistakes, but he made some faith decisions that changed the trajectory of his entire life and his family for generations to come. Here's what we know, is that being a dad, it is a, it's an important job. I was reading an article this week that they've actually discovered through science that fathers who are involved with their children, that their children do better in school their children get better grades, that girls especially make better decisions about dating because girls often marry guys just like their father. So obviously my father-in-law was incredibly handsome (laughs) had the strength of 10 men all by himself. Being a dad's an important job. But being a dad's a tough job because we never know if we're doing it right. And no matter what we do, we feel guilty. We feel guilty when we're at work trying to provide for the family because we feel like we're not spending enough time with the family. And then when we're with the family, we feel guilty because there's expectations and other things that we feel like that we should be doing. If you're divorced, maybe you try to make up for lost time by being the fun dad. And maybe you didn't have a good example. And maybe you grew up in a home where, where your dad was not there for you. And what you find yourself doing is you find yourself making the same mistakes that your dad did. And I think a lot of us, we feel like this cup right here. We just feel empty. Because we know that there's times where we should step in. We know there's times that we should say something. We know there's times that we should reach out, but we're just empty. We have nothing to give. And maybe you feel like this Right here, you just feel this emptiness in your life like you have nothing to offer. Well, God's Word has some incredible wisdom for us. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 12. Today, we're going to be looking at Abraham. Today, Abraham is going to come out of the stands, and he's going to run a lap with you. And if you look at Abraham, he came from a family that you would have never chosen. In fact, Abraham came from a family of idol worshipers. Joshua chapter 24 tells us that Abraham's father was an idol maker, and you don't have to come from a perfect family for God to use you. Abraham would say to all of us, this right here is that you live your life as a conduit for God's blessing. You live your life as a conduit for God's blessing. You feel like this empty cup. Well, God can begin to fill that cup, and you live your life in such a way that not only God can bless you, but you can bless other people through your life. Live in such a way. Live your life in such a way that you can begin to break this cycle of dysfunction that's been passed on from generation to generation. That living this way that gives you the power to leave a legacy of blessing in your family. But it begins with some decisions that you need to make. That if we're going to begin to let God pour into our life, to pour into our cup, it begins with a decision. And here's decision number one is that you just go wherever God tells you to go. This is where it all starts. You go where God tells you to go. We're going to pick up the story in Genesis chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. It says, the Lord said to Abram, now Abram is what he was called before God changed his name. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Now, I don't think we completely appreciate this because we're used to moving around all the time. But in that day, people were born, they lived, and they died in the same place. And God says, I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave everything behind. And I'm going to tell you when you get there. Now, imagine what this conversation was like. Imagine what this must have been like. Abraham comes home from to Sarah. He so, says, Sarah, I want you to pack up everything. We're moving. We're leaving our home, we're leaving our parents, we're leaving everything that's familiar. Well, where are we going? Well, I don't know, but I'll know when we get there. Well, why are we going? Well, because God told me. God who? God had had not revealed himself to them yet. It's the only time in human history when a wife says to her husband, do you know where we're going? And the husband says, only God knows that it was the literal truth right here. And God says, if you go, I'll make you three promises. I'll make you into a great nation, and the nation of Israel will come out of Abraham. He says, I will make your name great. See, everybody here has heard the name Abraham before, because God has made his name great 4,000 years later. And the third promise is, I will bless all people through you. And that blessing, it came through Jesus. Well, going on, it says, so Abram went as the Lord told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. Now, Haran is in modern-day Iraq. It's not far from Baghdad. And Abraham went because, see, faith, when we begin to have faith in our life, faith is obeying God even when you don't know where you're going. That's what faith is. See, it's easy to take steps of faith. It's easy to take steps when we know how it's all going to work out. But faith is taking these steps when we don't know if it's all going to work out, when it doesn't look easy for us. And I don't know whether you caught this or not, but Abraham is 75 years old and Sarah is 65. And God chooses to build a nation out of an elderly, infertile couple That's who he's going to call. So imagine this this scene in heaven as God is talking to the angels. And they're saying to God, that's good, God. This is good. You're going to build a nation. Well, there's a couple over here. I mean, they're young and beautiful. And God says, well, what about this couple over there? Are you talking about the ones who who are using the walker? Yeah, that's the ones. We're going to use them. And this will become a common theme in this series. We will see this time and time again again. In this series that we're doing is that God uses the least likely people to accomplish his purpose. And it's not who you would expect. It's not who you would choose. But God uses the most unlikely people to be part of his story. Here's how Hebrews 11.8 summarizes this. It says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place, he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Because when God said to go, he went, he became this candidate for God to begin to pour blessing into his life, and God began to fill him up. See, this is what begins to happen in us. And so let me just ask you today, what do you need to leave behind? What do you need to leave behind? Maybe it's your belief that you'll never change. Abraham is 75 years old. If God can bring change in a 75-year-old like this, he can bring change in your life. Maybe it's your belief that you're destined to be just like your dad or just like people before you. Maybe it's your belief that that more money and working longer hours is going to take care of all your problems. See, notice what God does not say. God does not say, you need to have it all figured out. God does not say, don't have any doubts. Abraham doesn't even know where he's going, but he takes up God on his offer. He takes up God on his offer. And see, this is what encourages me. This is what encourages me is that I don't have to have it all figured out. And if you're like me, you've made a lot of mistakes along the way. But I just decided a long time ago, I'm just going to take God up on his offer to pour into my life. To become this conduit for God's blessing. See, decision number one is you go wherever God tells you to go. Decision number two is when you fail... You fail forward. That when you fail, you fail forward. That for all of us, we know what it means to fail. Because there's times where you've lost your temper. You know, you said something you regret. Maybe you were a Cowboys fan at some point in your life. I mean, you know what it is to fail. (laughs) And the question is, what do you do after failure? See, this is where this story is so helpful for us. Because Abraham has some epic failures. When Abraham is entering into a foreign country, he's afraid that they will kill him and take his wife. And so he comes up with this great plan here in verse 11. It says, as he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarah, and this is before God has changed her name. He said, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but let you live. Say, say you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. So he comes up with this plan. Abraham comes up with this plan. He goes, so you just lie, and you tell everybody that you're my sister. I mean, you'll probably end up in Pharaoh's harem, but at least I'll be alive. Listen, Abraham is not up for husband of the year. This is not a great moment of husbanding in history right here. Well, fast forward about 10 years. And Abraham is 85 and Sarah is 75. And they think that God is moving too slow. So Sarah decides that God needs a little help. Did you ever make this mistake? You just think that God needs a little bit of your help to kind of move forward? Well, because she can't conceive a child... She says, why don't you take my servant Hagar and have a child with her? This is a bad idea. But Abraham is the submissive husband. He said, well, I'm just doing it for her. You know, I don't really want to do this, you know, but I'm going to do it for her. This is the first time somebody said, I slept with them, but it didn't mean anything. Didn't mean anything at all. And he goes and he sleeps with his servant. And she gets pregnant with Ishmael. And Sarah gets jealous and mad and makes Hagar's life miserable until she leaves. And God makes Ishmael into a nation as well. He'll become the father of the Arab nation. And 4,000 years later, there is still conflict between Israel and the Arab nation. Abraham made some bad moral decisions. And Abraham made some bad ethical decisions. He's just like us. He's just like us. Maybe you have made some mistakes morally. Maybe you crossed some boundaries with somebody in your life that you knew you shouldn't have. Maybe you decided that you would just kind of fake the numbers a little bit. Kind of steal a little bit for yourself. Maybe you brought images into your life or into your house that you can't quite get out. Or maybe you've made some mistakes ethically. See, we all do this from time to time. We kind of justify, well, it's okay. I'm just going to call in sick because I want a day off even though I'm not sick. Or you tell your kids to lie about their age at the movies so you can save the three bucks. I mean, just go ahead and tell them you're 11 years old. you know. And, and your six-foot son goes, okay, whatever you tell me, Dad, <laughs> I'll do. See, we've all made moral and ethical failures and the question is what direction do you do you fail because if we fail backwards this is where we begin to justify and we go well it's it's no big deal or we can fail forwards and when we fail forwards we take ownership for our sins and our mistakes we we decide to go to the people that we've hurt and ask them for forgiveness do you ask your children for forgiveness? You go to God and ask for forgiveness. And Abraham chooses to go forward. And in return, God chooses to pour in to Abraham's life. He can trust him. Decides to pour blessing into him. Well, I think for all of us, when we go through these things in our life, we wonder, how can God begin to use me? But for Abraham and Sarah, when Abraham is 99 years old and Sarah is 89, Sarah finally gets pregnant with Isaac. I mean, this is the first baby that's born in the geriatric ward of the hospital. The whole family's eating Gerber oatmeal because there's not a tooth in any of them. Yeah, look at this verse right here. It says, and by fate, Even Sarah, who is past childbearing age, was unable to bear children because she considered him faithful. Who had made the promise. Because God had made the promise, she considered him faithful. And they become this conduit for God's blessing. For God to pour into their life. See, decision number one is you go wherever God tells you to go. Decision number two when you fail, you fail forward. And decision number three is you allow God to refine your faith. You allow God to refine your faith. See, all seems right in Abraham's world. God has been good to him. God has blessed him. God's with him. But God's biggest test is yet to come. In Genesis 22, we're going to start out in verse one. It says, sometime later, God tested abraham so does god test us well of course he does he tests abraham to refine his character to refine his faith to make him into somebody that he wasn't before it's interesting this word right here this hebrew word when it's used in the old testament it's only used in reference to the people of god this kind of testing that God does with Abraham is not used with people who don't believe in God. It's not used with people who don't follow God. It's only used with them. Can we bring that verse back up? It says that sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am. Abraham replied. says, I'm available. I'm here for you to use. And going on to verse 2, it says, then God said, take your son. Your only son whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. You take him there. Now, I don't know why God did this. I don't know why God would tell him to sacrifice his son in a way to test Abraham. God's not going to test you in this way. But God will test you in another way. God will bring testing into your life. Maybe it's with your finances. God wants to know, do you really trust God with your money? Maybe it's in a dating relationship. It's honoring God with your sexual purity. Maybe it's in the way that you lead your kids. It's showing that God comes first in our family. That God comes first. See, even though it didn't make sense, Abraham decided to trust God. God, and then in verse 9, it says, when they had reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there, and arranged the wood on it, he bound his son Isaac, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood, then he reached out his hand, and he took the knife to slay his son, and here's our tendency, our tendency is we want to move past this part of the story right here, and we want to get to the happy ending, But I want to pause here for just a minute. I want to live in this reality for just a minute. Because the truth is, some of you are in a place in your life where you just want to rush past it so you can get to the happy ending how God's going to work it all out. And God is refining your character right now. Some of you are going through something right now where God is refining your faith. He's making you more like Jesus. Through The process, through this process, verse 11 says, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, and then Abraham replies, here I am. It's the same thing he said before. I'm available. He goes, do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. See, here's what happened because of Abraham's great faith. As God poured blessing into him. He said, because I can trust you, you can handle this. Because you did not withhold from me your only son, I know that I can trust you with whatever blessing that I give you. And that blessing overflowed to his son and to his son and you are here because of that faith. That blessing has overflowed to you. See, and that's what what God offers to us, is that we become this conduit of faith where God says, okay, now I know. Now I know I can bless other people through you. I can fill you to where you are pouring out on other people, and this is how Hebrews summarizes it. It says, so from this one man And he, as good as dead, how would you like that to be said about you? You know, sometimes you feel like that. Came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. It's interesting in Hebrews 11 where it lists all of these heroes of the faith, all of these people who had these great acts of faith. There's a lot of individuals that are listed, but there's only one family. It's listed. It's Abraham's family. It's Abraham's family. Because of what Abraham did, it blessed everybody around him. It blessed his family. Now here, I I want to speak to all of you, but very specifically, I want to talk to dads. If you're a dad, I want to very specifically talk to you right now. Because this is what God wants to do in your life. God wants to take an imperfect, empty glass And pour into you. Teaching you how to lead. And how to love. And how to be a dad. And every time you return to God. God pours out a little bit more. And every time you make church a priority. He pours out more. And every time you give back to God financially. He pours out more. And every time you lead your kids spiritually he pours out more. And every time you treat your wife with love and respect, he pours out more. And here's what we have in common with Abraham, is that God is still calling us to follow him even when it doesn't make sense. That God is still redeeming our failures. That God can take these failures and he can redeem them. And that God is refining your faith. To make you more like Jesus. See, like Abraham, God uses the most unlikely people to do his work. God can use you. Right where you are. There's a a literary device that God uses in this story called foreshadowing. See, here in this story of Abraham and Isaac, God is giving a hint. He is foreshadowing. What is to come? And at the very place where Abraham is prepared to sacrifice Isaac, it's where hundreds of years later, where the Israelites would eventually build the temple at this same place. And at this place where Abraham offered his son as a sacrifice, this is the same place where they would sacrifice. They would have the temple sacrifices to cleanse people of their sins. And a few miles away from this spot, there was another father who had an only son. And he hung on a cross for you and for me. Only this time, God would not stop it. Only this time, God would not stop the sacrifice of this son. And Jesus would willingly give up his life for you. See, we all become this candidate for God to use to pour out blessing, to fill us up. And the truth is, maybe you right now, you feel empty. You just feel so empty inside and God's saying, allow me to fill you. Allow me to bless you. Allow me to work in your life. Maybe you've never received Jesus as your Savior. God is saying, today's the day. Today's the day where I can take this empty cup of your life and I will pour into it. Let's pray together. And maybe for you, just saying, okay, God, I'm available. I I want to be this conduit for blessing. God, I want you to fill my cup so that I can bless other people through my life. God, we thank you for Jesus that he willingly laid down his life as a sacrifice for us. Thank you that because of that, you can take our failures and you can redeem them. You can make them new. You can use them for your benefit. Just like through hope for prisoners, people who are coming out of the prison system are finding hope. God, you're redeeming their stories. God, do that in every one of us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.